Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. It's early in the week. Let's look at the Michigan stats, maybe prepare ourselves so that we're more prepared for Michigan practice, qualifying, qualifying, qualifying. I know we like to pour over the practice laps in the spreadsheet. There's nothing here because we haven't had practice, but by week's end, you'll be looking at every single lap and trying to decide who's going to be the best driver. But I would encourage you to look at qualifying because as you know about Michigan, very difficult track for passing. Maybe they're going to lather it up in resin. I don't know. Probably they'll do their best to try to create another groove, but that just hasn't been the case since they repaved the joint in 2012. It's one groove. Sometimes it just gets up completely against the wall. I know there's that hope that, well, there's going to be less downforce. Yeah, but there's also not enough horsepower either. They really got to go up to like 900 horsepower and completely level off the spoiler if they're really going to create a real fun race. Or they could just bring a really soft tire. But there is no incentive whatsoever for Goodyear to bring a soft tire because if they do that, yeah, the racing could be really exciting, but no one's going to go out and buy Goodyear tires. No one's going to give Goodyear credit. But what really could happen is what the Indianapolis 2008 fiasco, which I wrote about in my best bets article at DK Nation, where the tires just kept falling apart. There was too much degradation and Goodyear nearly got ran out of the sport. So they'll bring a really hard tire. There won't be any fall off. If there was fall off, then maybe you could get some movement going. It's not going to happen. Whatever. Let's just look at some of the early week Michigan stats to try to prepare ourselves for the week at Michigan. As always, follow Brandon Cruz. If you follow him on Twitter, you can get to his Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. I hope that's right. Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. You sign up for his Patreon. You get access to the spreadsheet. That is just growing week by week and evolving, adapting to all the different things that are happening throughout the week. It's not just a static spreadsheet that I just copy and pasted over since 2013. Uh, Watching the races, watching the practices, watching the qualifying, watching all the three different series and F1, and probably watching too much dirt track, to be honest with you. Anyway, combining all that information to evolve this sheet in real time. And if anyone has used the spreadsheet, you'll see, like, you'll see me in there at all hours of the day, adjusting this, changing that, adding a new call them or formula here or there, whatever. Anyway, so uh, one of the things that I like to look at is real rating. And I'm really just taking driver rating, which is a decent stat, whatever, and just making it a little bit better by uh, looking at, hey, how many laps did the guy run in the top five? If I'm a DFS player and I'm really trying to nail drivers that are going to lead laps, if I'm really trying to identify who's going to run fast laps, Most of those are going to come from drivers who are consistently inside the top five. There isn't a statistic that goes through and says, oh, okay, on lap five, he was in the top five. On lap six, he was in the top five. Oh, well, there is a statistic. I did it. I created it. And it goes through every race and says, all right, this guy ran 25 laps in the top five. This guy ran 200 laps inside the top five. Who do you think is more likely to run fast laps in the next race? Oh, well, that was at a road course. Well, that's you have all that data, 5, 10, 15. So I've just, you know, whatever. Anyway, that's real rating. I have that. And you can kind of see. All right. Well, what we'll do here is I've got the real rating for the season. So if we were just to look at drivers, and this is all the races, plate races, road courses. I, I don't have Daytona in it for whatever reason. But every all the other is both Atlantis and Talladega's. If we look at real rating, uh, William Byron has the best real rating this season. Now, some people are going to say, yeah, but that's because he led a bunch of laps at uh, Martinsville, and that's going to skew the data. Not so fast, my friend! No, I don't. I use a formula so that it, all races are the same. So 
it's more of a percentage than it is a raw number of laps inside the top five. Because obviously, if you use a raw number, then if you're a better short track racer, then you're going to look better in the averages. So simple ways just to do a percentage so that we create all ceteris paribus, all tracks are created equal. And that being the case, William Byron is the best. But William Byron has been really bad lately. Um, you can just look at any of the results, any of the ways to measure him. You just want to look at regular results for Byron. Has not been there. If you want to look at rating rank for Byron, which is uh, just simply takes their driver rating, which is a number from zero to 150 that no one really understands. And I just simply take that number and then turn it into integers. Like he had the best rating. He had the second best rating in this race. He had the third best rating in that race. And if you look at rating, 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 rate, whatever I want to call this, rating, 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 Byron, 14th best driver, 18th best driver at Charlotte, 23rd at Gateway. And those are specific tracks that we might want to put our eyes on, looking at the ovals, obviously, as opposed to the road courses going into Michigan. Again, you'd like to see him run better in some of these races. I uh, did bounce back a little bit here in New Hampshire. Pocono is what it is. His numbers are bouncing back over the season. He's on your top for real rating. Chase Elliott, on the heater that he's on, he's still only second best, but, I mean, it's pretty good. You're only going to get so high with these numbers. He's hot, obviously. Ryan Blaney, uh, kind of cooled down a little bit, but I believe a lot of that is because the schedule got wonky all of a sudden. Remember, uh, after Talladega, and maybe we had that stretch of uh, intermediate tracks. And this data doesn't even include Texas, where he won the exhibition race. But it was um, Dover, Darlington, Kansas, Charlotte, Gateway. There was that Texas race in between. We got a really good idea of who's going to be good at the intermediate-ish tracks, the regular ovals, the meat and potatoes, the real racing, not all this dirt and plate road courses that to me now i could be completely off base i could be completely wrong but i think that is the sweet spot i've been saying that all season this is the sweet spot right here to help us really identify who's been who is going to be good who will be good who has the fastest cars who has the best engineers you know right here the west coast swing all these different tracks so you had west coast swing which always been the case where teams you, know, you can't really work on your car that much. Your cars are out west. You're running haulers back and forth. You don't have a lot of time at the shop, if any time at all. A lot of the major changes come when you get back. Well, then you had Atlanta, which is a whole other monster. Then you're going back out kind of west again for another road course. It wasn't really till here that teams really had a time in Mooresville or uh, Welcome, North Carolina, or wherever you may be, to really work on what they have learned and adapt the setups to the next-gen car. And even then, these are two shorter, flat tracks. Then you go back to the dirt. Then you go back to the plate race. So for my money, when you really got to see what have these teams learned, how are they using the diffuser? What are they doing with the back end of the car? Why are they popping up the front end? How much camber are they running? Have they learned their lesson about running too much camber or not enough? This is where we learn to figure stuff out. And the cut jumps out. You can probably just see. If you can see green, then you can see things that you need to see. Uh, Ross Chastain, pretty awesome. Uh, Ross Chastain is not a fluke. Track house. I don't know. I mean, are we going to have to go through and find out the specific engineers at Trackhouse? Are we going to have to figure out how exactly those CGR geniuses figured things out? I don't know. Um, did this really next-gen car create an even playing field or the limited amount of parts? Who knows what happened? But just a quick reference. There you go. Here's Logano again. Uh, I was saying this about Blaney, although his results haven't been that great lately. 
they've been fine. Really, we're over. So, from my perspective, maybe you're in the same way. I and mean, if you read my articles at DK Nation, then you probably at least understand my point of view. You may not agree with it, but going into New Hampshire, the idea was, hey, man, these guys, Blaney and Logano, they've been figuring everything out. Well, the problem is New Hampshire is different. New Hampshire is a paperclip shaped track. New Hampshire has uh, flat banking. He had been good the year before. Um, Hassler and Paul Wolf had just been awesome with their Team Penske setups up until this point. And then, I don't know why I've got on Rear Road America. They just missed it. They just didn't have the car in New Hampshire. Logano was a little less off. And then they missed it again at another flat track. I would like to see them have a little more speed at Pocono. I'm not going to completely dismiss Pocono because it's a flat track. I, you know, if you've got speed, you've got speed. If you can get speed on those straight stretches, you can get speed on those straight stretches. They missed it two weeks in a row. Could that be the flat tracks? It possibly is. Um, either way, I'm not writing off Blaney because of two weeks where they just didn't have the car. But I'm also not just going to completely dismiss that idea either. Hassler missed the setup at those tracks. So that's kind of, I got Logano and Blaney really in the same boat. Christopher Bell is awesome. He does not get enough credit. Uh, I don't think he gets enough credit. But all of JG are awesome. We'll go over that here in a second. Trex is awesome. Uh, just because he hasn't won. He's been awesome. His car is incredibly fast. And in DFS, wins are overrated. You know this. I know this. We all know this. Wins are overrated. Um, He's great. He's doing well. Larson hasn't won in a while. Wins are overrated, but we like to see a little bit more out of Larson. Larson did win the IRP race on Monday night. Were you watching? I was watching. It was awesome. They killed him. He won like seven seconds. It's insane. It's like the biggest beatdown ever. And uh, they had they did three restarts where he kept taking the lead on the. Uh, he was running under the line on the apron and making the pass for the lead. Like, no, do it over. It was like, uh, if you ever watched the, it was like 1984 Soviet Union versus U.S. Olympics teams. Back when the U.S. still had to use college players. It was for the gold medal. And it came down to the last play of the game. And the US, USA kept winning. And they kept saying, no, 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 we got to do it over. There was a timeout or something. And they'd run it back. And the USA would go, no, 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 no. And this, by the way, this was an Olympics being held, I think, Maybe it was in Germany or some Eastern Bloc state. And finally, uh, they get the result they want where the Russians or the Soviet Union scores. Like, all right, yeah, this one counted. This one actually counted. And I felt like that again. Larson kept taking the lead. No, 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 do the restart. It doesn't count. And then Larson would take the lead on the apron again. No, no, do it again. And eventually, I guess Larson realized, like, oh, when they wave the green flag, like, it's not, you know, do whatever you want. Like, most racing, it's like we have to fall on a certain line or something. Like, yeah, you can't be fast. All right, I'll just wait a lap. And then after a lap, I can go wherever I want, right? Well, yeah, because it's racing. Okay. And so they did that. And so he just patiently waited a lap and then meow, just flies by. Anyway, enough for story time for today. That's why I don't do the podcast anymore. I'm getting too much story time. I let Cruz do the podcast. Check out Cruz's podcast, Truck Series, Xfinity Series, Cup Series, F1. I am absolutely certain that he'll have an Xfinity Michigan podcast. Absolutely certain he'll have a Cup podcast, and he will likely do Xfinity Live shows where you can all join in and have a blast, and also do Live Cup shows where you can join in and have a blast. All that good stuff, fun stuff for everyone. Yankee 600. Google that race at Michigan. It's a famous helicopter race. 
also happened during Woodstock was happening. So it's like the counter counterculture. You know, the counterculture you going on in um, in uh, what? Uh, not Watkins Glen. What's the name of the town? Woodstock. It's Woodstock's the name of it. And you know, imagine Woodstock's going on like, now nah, I'm gonna go watch Yankee 600 because I want to watch a 600 freaking mile race where they try to use a helicopter to dry the track and they crash the helicopter. So uh, I guess this is more reactionary. This would be the reactionary, neo-reactionary, not the counter-counterculture. Anyway, uh, Bowman's been better than we think. No, that's season long. So what I would do at this point, see, now that I've gotten the Bowman, like, man, Bowman hasn't been that good. Well, we're looking at all season long and we're weighing in this some plate races. And that's, you know, Probably not the best way. So what I've done is I've just adapted this and said, all right, I'm going to pick and choose some of the more recent races that I like. I need to fix this thing for uh, William Byron. It's fixed already, but um, there's no reason to go into it here because this data point is not going to matter in terms of – actually, I mean, it would have lowered him right here. But running well at the Indy Road Course shouldn't really factor into Michigan this weekend. So whatever. Uh, it is fixed. If you go to the other spreadsheets, I fixed that. It's just a matter of like William Byron's cause of his alphabetical name. He's the last row. And occasionally one of the cells just doesn't carry a row inside baseball. And so I missed the data point. Forget William Byron. William Byron, Riley Herbst is another one for you spreadsheet warriors that like sometimes the data doesn't work for Byron or Riley Herbst. Herbst is a different situation. His sometimes doesn't carry through because he's number 98. And so I just, the row didn't carry over or whatever. Drop D. Anyway, drop D metal. I like drop D metal. All right. William Byron. All right. So here are the cells it's pulling from. If I just click here, you can kind of see which ones it's pulling from. Dover, Darlington, Kansas, Charlotte, Gateway, Nashville, New Hampshire, and Pocono. You don't like those? Click File, Make Copy in your spreadsheet. And then once you have your own sheet, you can do whatever you want. And then just delete one of these and say, I don't want that factored in. Or you can just be lazy, not be lazy, just trust me and say, hey, yeah, those seem like decent data points to draw from. So if we do that and we look at really current form, most recent races at ovals. And so it was like, I don't know if I want to factor in Pocono. Yeah, you want to factor in Pocono. Pocono factors in, do you have speed in your car? Do you have driver execution? Yeah, no, the setup's not going to be exactly like that. But man, none of the setups are going to be exactly like Michigan anyway. These guys know what they're doing. If they, They've been setting up cars for a long time. It's not like, oh, I can set up Pocono. But boy, I'm confused with Michigan. No, you, you know what you're doing. You either just or Someone's doing it better than you. It's really the case. All right, so we'll sort these. And what you're going to see first is JGR, 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 four of the top five in these races that I like. And remember, this real rating is factoring top five laps, top 10 laps, top 15 laps, blah, 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 average running position, those things. And it's been a JGR show. I expect them to qualify up front, and I expect them to stay up front. Real quick, let's just reference what they did at Michigan last year. Even though it's a different package, it's still Michigan. It's still one-groove racetrack. The only difference that I would have, say, add with Michigan from last year, and we could probably look this up. I know we can. Um, if we look at last year's race, well, I don't want to look at that. But one thing I want, though, is that uh, sometimes I run extensive notes when, I, when it matters, and other times I don't. 
but there's always these notes that really give you a decent idea of like specific things. It's always there. It's baked into every single sheet. If you want to know a little detail point, that's going to help you understand a little thing about what happened with one specific car. Like you're looking at a result here or you're looking at an average running position and a finish. Like that doesn't make sense. What happened? Why did he finish so much better than where he was running? There's an example right there. Why did Chase Briscoe finish so much better than he's running? Well, a lot of times you can find a specific thing about some guy got a wave around or there was a caution. I bet we'll find out that he gets a, a wave around. And so what I can do here is I'll just hit control F and then I'm going to go number 14, find. That's not the control F I want. I hit control H and it's not wanting to let me control F. Now my computer's frozen. Yikes. Hope you're still with me. There it is. All right. Number 14. Nothing's pulling up. Whatever. Um, either way, what I would point to off the top of my head, not having watched the end of this race, watched the beginning, is that you get two restarts here on 187 and 193. The point that I also wanted to come back to, which originally got me on this sheet, which was on the wrong page, is that the biggest difference that I would expect from last season to this season are the restarts are going to be a lot more tame because in the next-gen car, well, first of all, the outside lane is always the best at Michigan. Now, that wasn't completely the case in previous seasons because of the terrible high downforce package. We should now go back to the top groove being absolutely lightning fast, the bottom groove really su suffering, the, the car lighting up first, the car lighting up third, could lose a bunch of positions. They're in a bad spot, but you get to choose a rule and you get to pick. But... The bigger concern in previous Michigan races and a lot of other races in 2019 was that with the high downforce package, it really, like you had the best car, but you didn't get the lead because you didn't get the push. That created a more random situation. Now the leaders are going to lead. The guy who gets the pole is going to pull away. They're going to have clean air and they're going to cruise like it's 2018 at Michigan or at any intermediate track. So that's good if you're really trying to, I mean, that was one of the things in 2020, 2019 and 2021 that really irked you as a fantasy player like this guy's the fastest he's the best he's going to lead laps he's going to run fast laps and then he just doesn't get to push and then in dirty air in that car he can't go anywhere and then like side drafting you're gonna get less of that side drafting less of that push less of the uh you know the where the terrible way that you had to time a pass in the old high down force you had to really get up on him really side draft really make that deep dive move and if you didn't make it right then you got freight trained and lost five spots. That still is the case. You got to be really smart and careful about making a pass at Michigan. You're going to lose a spot. But in the 2019, 2020, 2021 high downforce package, if you made a bad move, you lost like five or six spots, especially on a restart. Now that also meant not only could you see really good cars drop like slugs, yeah, like slugs. You also saw cars like a Matt Benedetto who had no business zooming up to the front, just times a restart, right? Goes five wide, and all of a sudden, he's zooming by five guys because they're all side drafting. You know, Cole Custer winning at Kentucky in 2020, it was, I think. But, you, yeah. So, 
that won't happen. That's cool. That's awesome. Less, less just random is good. More predictability, more connection to the stats, more connection to the data, more connection to the people watching the races and putting in the work. That's good. Let's just like, oh God, he randomly timed the restart. The hell with that. So you can look through probably these laps and see some guys that jump up and some guys that jump down. And it's more likely going to be that old package and the way the restarts work. Not to say that this year you're not going to see a guy get four or five spots on a restart. There just should be less of that. And I absolutely think that the leader is more often than not going to regain, retain the lead. Not regain, retain the lead. Going back to our data as we continue this Michigan Podcast, again, patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Maybe you want to look at this data. Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Give it a try. Think about signing up. Check out his live shows. I will do my best to record shows. Um, just stop doing it. Uh, just to be frank, got tired of people stealing my work. You know, I, I like to record early in the week, put the work in early, get people ready, get them prepared so that they can do practice. And I like helping people out. I like helping people out doing their shows. But the problem was like I was doing it and I was helping them out and then they were just doing what I was doing. And so the people are watching their shows and like they don't know that, oh, wait, actually, they're just stealing everything. Just give credit, I guess. I've been plagiarized a lot of times recently and it's really like one guy, one website just completely copy and pasted an article. Another guy, a big important guy, copied my work. Uh, I talked to people I knew at that company thinking that, all right, well, at least I'll apologize. At least they won't do it again. So I just stopped doing stuff for a while. It's just so annoying and frustrating to put in all this work and effort and just, you know, it's, it's, it's jungle out there. What do you want? You know, I'm going to play fair. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I really appreciate Cruz. Cruz is incredibly loyal. You may not like his takes. You may not like my takes. I think we're pretty similar in that Cruz and I probably annoy and agitate a lot of people. Probably what I just said right there about me being upset about people stealing from me. Probably rub some people the wrong way. Stop complaining, you baby. Either way, why are you always so jealous and salty? I get it. I understand. But uh, the one thing I really appreciate about Cruz is he is a loyal MFer. And uh, he's very loyal to his subscribers. Always been loyal to me. Very few people in DFS are loyal. If you've been around as long as I have, and I think a lot of you have been, you realize that no one is loyal. There's a lot of snakes. People I thought were really loyal, honest people, are not. So, but Cruz, you know, maybe you don't like his <laughs> red mistakes and his constant conjuring of death <laughs> demons, but. Loyal. Very loyal. Got to respect that. All right. Chase Elliott, no surprise. He is up there. You got it. I mean, Chase Elliott is absolutely a monster. I get it. Sonoma, of course, he's going to run well. But Nashville, now, maybe wasn't the best, but when it mattered, he got there. Road America, obviously. Atlanta, okay, well, you can throw those out. Obviously, that's going to inflate it. But then again, you go back to New Hampshire. There he is right there at the top again. Pocono. Yeah, look, 
one of the things that I always say in the articles, one of the things that I always say on here is you got to put yourself in a position to win. I mean, that's everybody. It's like, sounds like a terrible Steve LaTarte phrase, but you can't lead laps if you don't put yourself in a position to lead laps. You can't run fast laps if you don't put yourself in a position to run fast laps. Is Chase Elliott always going to run fast laps? Is Chase Elliott always going to lead laps? Is he always going to win races? No. But before that happens, you got to be in the top five. And guess what? He's in the top five every week. He's always right there. Sometimes he's going to let you down. But he's a step closer than a lot of other guys. He's a step closer than Kyle Larson right now. Kyle Larson is not in the top five every week. And my perspective is, now it can happen. You know, you can just you find it and you jump up to the top of the leaderboard. But more often than not in NASCAR, you need to be hanging around the top five for a couple races before you break through. Those are the guys that we want to target. Chastain is always there. Kyle Busch recently has always been there. Chase Elliott is always there. And so when they pop up at the top of the score, it's not a surprise. If Kyle Larson were to have a big week, it would be a surprise this week because he hasn't been showing the most speed, the most consistency. It's close. It would be a little bit of a surprise. I mean, ask yourself, who do you expect to run better this week? Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, or Kyle Larson? Yeah, Larson was really good at this race last season. He also started on the front row last season, and that allowed him to accumulate a ton of points and gave him a giant advantage of pit stop, which we all know that pit position is very big, but also track position throughout the race. Which, again, goes back to the point of I think you really need to weigh qualifying more. In general, in general, qualifying has... It's not easy to pass in this car. It just isn't. It's going to take a while for them to figure it out. And honestly, sometimes they figure it out, it just gets more difficult. Anyway, I think qualifying is going to be a major factor in that. I am willing to roster cars that aren't going to be that fast in practice, that lay down really fast times in qualifying. That usually is my approach lately. But at Michigan, I'm probably going to go a little bit heavier. Oh, he wasn't quite as consistent. Well, it was five lap average. His best seven laps, his you know practice wasn't that great. Well, he's on the front row. He's going to have the second best pit position. I probably need to amp him up a little bit because maybe he just has a better restart or maybe his pit crew is two tenths faster so he gets the lead. And guess what? In clean air, it doesn't matter if he wasn't that great on the third lap of practice. He's now getting point after point after point. Uh, so Larson, good at Pocono, New Hampshire. I mean, honestly, if you, we are going to make a case for Larson, look, the bad race, Atlanta. Well, that don't matter. Indianapolis. <laughs> he wasn't even half bad until, like, when it was, his brakes just went out and he rocketed through Ty Dillon. Would have liked to see him be better at Nashville. I want to go back and watch that again. Um, I had a feeling like, oh, I wonder if Nashville's going to kind of be like Michigan. And I watched about five minutes. Like, no, it's not going to be. Nashville was very wide this season. Michigan won't be. Nashville's a concrete surface as well. And that's something that I really have to pay more attention to next season. I keep going back. Like, I think Nashville's going to be like Texas in one groove. Nashville, yeah, I think Nashville has some Texas, but I believe it also has some Dover because of that concrete. And Dover kind of gets to be one groove as well. Harvick has really been coming alive of late. And you look at Harvick's numbers. Pretty insane at Michigan. 
and all the packages. So this obviously is the package that we're no longer using. And that's when Harvick basically was in control of the universe. But you go back to the last time they raced a lowdown. That needs to be 18S. We'll just do a... Uh, Just do it like this. We'll just manually fix it. Do it live. You look, last time they raced low down force. Ba -ba 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 -ba. He won the fall race. He finished second in the spring race. Quiz for you. Do you remember that race? 2018 spring Michigan race. See how diehard of a... I'll let you think about it in your head. Do you remember the 2018 spring race where Kevin Harvick finished second? Who won that race? Do -do 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 -do. He's not on the spreadsheet. It's Clint Boyer. And Clint Boyer won that race because the rain came down. Harvick was right on his bumper. Just needed maybe two more laps and Harvick was going to pass. And then the rain bailed Boyer out and Boyer got the win. That was the season where I think it might have been Boyer's final victory. He had won earlier in the year at Martinsville. Boyer's... Uh, yeah... Redemption, Recon, Renaissance. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word Renaissance. I've been out teaching way too long. Either way, now there's a lot less horsepower. Not much. I think we were running 750 in those races. So 670 might have been 800 horsepower. I don't know. Looks like him and Childers have a fighting chance. And on top of that, they're running really well this season. New Hampshire, really good. Nashville, really good. I would think about it. All right, so as I close out here, I have just another data point that you can look at if you want to look at last year. Uh, so I could look at this and just see, well, who was really good here last year? Kyle Larson, 91% of the laps inside the top five. Next closest driver was Chase Elliott with 62% of the laps inside the top five. Brian Blaney wins the race in a late race restart, but that's, I don't expect, so I actually picked him in my DK Nation Best Bets article as a long shot favorite to win just because of the plate racing style at Michigan, because of the propensity for Michigan to have a late race restart. And on a late race restart in that old package, you could possibly see a non-favorite win the race. So I picked Blaney and he won. Congratulations, awesome. So who cares? I don't see that happening. Now, could we get the late race caution? Yeah. There's been Michigan and Fontana in the past. We have seen this for whatever reason. A lot of cautions creating restarts at the end that really open the door to somebody to jump up there. And we usually see in the optimal lineups guys that finish a lot better than where they were running. Like here we go. Ryan Priest and Ty Dillon in the second race from last year. Ty Dillon, or this is 2020. He ran in 24th. He finishes 18th. Gets some spots probably on a late race restart. Ryan Priest runs in 25th, finishes 6th. Gets some spots probably on a late race restart. If we go to the first spring race, we've got Bubba Wallace, Corey LaJoy, all these guys, solid finishes. Where, where did Bubba Wallace run? I would probably say 16th, a little bit better than where he did it. Uh, LaJoy, Probably gets a couple spots at the end. Not a bunch, but a couple. Enough that makes him suitable in DFS. 
Suarez for the Gaunt Brothers just enough. That's because you had to pay some pretty high price tags for those guys. Uh, what about 2021? Chase Briscoe, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, that's a better number right here, rating rank, as opposed to average rank position. He was the 23rd best driver, and so that's the driver rating. He had the 23rd highest driver rating. That factors in speed, average rating position, whatever. So he should have finished 23rd, finished 11th. That's the the kind of the big difference right there that opened up that lineup for you. And, you know, you get restarts at the end, that will open that up. We could get those restarts. So the value could work out that way, but I don't expect the end of the race to see, you know, because you don't need that push. There's not the three wide, whatever. As I mentioned earlier, the car that's going to lead them to green is got a huge advantage, especially in this car where the front nose, like I always say, looks like a speedboat, you know, with the front end up and the back down. They lower the back on these cars because they want to get the air going through the diffuser to glue the car down. It also helps reduce the drag by lowering the spoiler in the back. And they don't really sacrifice much because when they're going through the turns where you would typically want the back end up to catch the air, to push the car down, to get that grip, the diffuser is making up for that. And so they've got the noses pointed up, the cars are hung down, and they're great in clean air because with that nose up, it's funneling in all that air perfectly like they designed in the CFD. They don't really call it CFD in NASCAR, but it runs exactly the way it's supposed to run, that nose up. Well, with the nose up in traffic, the air's not coming in right, and so it's not going through the diffuser correctly, or I mean, I guess correctly is the word we'll use. And so as the air does not go through the diffuser correctly, the back end doesn't, isn't as stable as they want. And so the only way to get that rear grip, and then also, and it's kind of a bounce back and forth too, also front grip, is just to slow the car down. And when you slow the car down in the turns, we well, can't pass. That's the bubble they talk about in, in a sense. That's not necessarily the bubble, but once you get close to somebody in this car, you're not going to pass them. So that car that jumped out to a restart lead, and let's say they're pulling away and the second car's fast and they're catching up on them, with that nose up in that dirty air, very difficult. Now, Michigan is, I mean, it's a wide track. I mean, if you were to measure from wall to the base, but as far as groove, there aren't a bunch of grooves at work. Not like Fontana, where at Fontana, you kind of, you could work multiple grooves because that was also because there's high tire wear. There's different grip at that track. Fontana really works. Fontana really worked. Fontana, it worked so much that Fontana said, yeah, well, forget about the short track. We're still going to run the big track next season, which is amazing. I, I didn't think that was ever going to be a possibility. I couldn't even believe they were running at Fontana this season. And then let alone for them to already have made the announcement that next year we're running the big track again. I don't even know if they're going to build the short track. It would be cool to have a second track there, but I don't want them to sacrifice the big two-mile dirt track for a short track. Get them both. Have two tracks. Have two races out on the West Coast. Do a doubleheader, short track, big track. That would be fun. That would be exciting. Don't get rid of that big track. It's awesome. It's working. I don't know what you do with Michigan. It's not going to be wide enough. The guy's going to pull away. All right. 91%. 62. Hamlin. Kurt, that's a track house car, right? I mean, technically that's a CGR car, but that's a track house car. That's kind of an interesting thing for Chastain to think about. Okay, make a note of that. What did Chastain do? Not much, but that is a CGR car. I don't know who his crew chief 
I guess his crew chief probably went with him to 2311. I have to look up the top of my head. I can't remember. Byron, that's interesting with Dylan. Might want to look into that. But then he had an issue later on in the race. Alright, that's good. Thanks for joining me. Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. I'm back. I don't know. Will I be able to do more moving forward? I don't know. We'll see. It just depends on how my schedule goes. I enjoy doing this. I hope that this was helpful. I hope I didn't complain too much. I hope I didn't annoy anyone too much. If I said something that um, upset someone, deal with it. I haven't done anything wrong. I've only spoken truth and facts, truth and facts. And I just, I do need to get over it. I can understand you're like, dude, people steal from everybody. You know, this get used to it. Please make content. It's weird for me to act like I'm you asking me to make content. It's very uh, presumptuous, very presumptuous, but I'll go ahead and do it because, well, I mean, actually some people, I don't know. Maybe no one wants me to make anything. I guess I'll look at the views in the comments and see if people want me to keep making videos. And I would imagine there will be some people that say, dude, just make the videos. Who cares if people are stealing your work? Well, I care because I'm trying to make some money doing this. But if I have time, I will continue to make videos. I have made that decision. If I can squeeze it in, I will make the videos. I enjoy doing it. I like doing it. I'm having fun. And it's good for me. Thanks, guys. Brandon Cruz, patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Rock and roll. Mountain troll.